Max, how has your uh, November been going so far? November is November. It's uh, I know. I don't know. It's one. Of, it's definitely probably one of the worst months of the year. It's so busy too. Like, do you find for school? Yeah, school wise, and just like everything. It's like you're not like December. At least like it's getting more towards the heart of the winter. But well, and Christmas. You got you got time to look forward to. You got time off. Yeah. You know, it's like a bit better, and then you're like, oh, I'm getting into the new year. Yeah. Blah blah. Except I think it's New Year's. Okay, one. A little bit off topic here. <laughs> I think New, New Year's is incredibly overrated. Overrated. Oh, right? I totally agree. It's never as fun as you want it to be because it's supposed to be really fun. Yeah. But there's no way you can ever live up to your expectations. No, it's like, I feel like a lot of people have that same view, but everyone always goes into it being like, oh, New Year's, like, it's going to be sick. Like, yeah, but everyone just plans never really is. big stuff and it never, never pans is. out. Well, yeah. I, think I'm go- I think I have pretty good, like, New Year's plans with my girlfriends this year. I think we're gonna do like a chalet, so that, oh, that might actually that does that does sound nice. Yeah, it might actually be exciting. Um, but getting into the podcast, I yeah. just chatted. <laughs> I haven't seen you in a little I know. bit. Um, so today we're gonna be talking to a like very high performance athlete, which yeah. I'm super excited about. Like that's a kind of a move away from who we've talked to so far. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a great aspect to like go into. It's completely different, but it's very relevant. Yeah, and like their story was picked up by the media. So it definitely ties into how storytelling and media play into sport. Yeah. Um, but who's like one of your top favorite kind of like athletes? Like they don't have to be, they can be NBA or NFL obviously, but maybe like you could even do like Team Canada if you wanted. Honestly, I'd say, I know it's like pretty broad, but my favorite athlete of all time and is still the goat, in my opinion, is LeBron. Oh, okay, fair. Le- yeah, like, yeah. he's, especially what he's doing nowadays, like, he's year 21, and he is just performing at such a high level. It's unbelievable. And, like, he is just, like, insane. And, like, he's, he's the best basketball player, in my opinion. <laughs> and, like, besides just, like, basketball, just, like, athletically, yeah. at his age, for how many minutes he's played, doing what he's doing, still jumping above the rim, he's everywhere. Like, honestly, like, I mean, it's a testament like yeah. how hard he works and he talks about that he spends like over a million dollars a year on his body so that definitely helps definitely i sense. could definitely use that a little bit but uh <laughs> yeah, maybe i could be <laughs> yeah, little, yeah, yeah i could probably jump a little <laughs> higher but um yeah i feel like lebron he just like i just love watching him play basketball and i think like as an athlete like he's also on a different level and like nowadays they're talking about They've always had like the goat debate in basketball lebron jordan lebron jordan yeah. but i think lebron's at a different level outside of basketball as one of the best athletes in general of all yeah. time, just for the longevity and the high performance. I think like there's like, he's, he's, I think he's the top. And I think it's really cool that he's like built himself a brand as well. Oh yeah. Like and around himself. I think that's a really interesting. Also kind of... he like came straight out of high school with the craziest expectations yeah. out there. And he's so surpassed that. He's like, he's like and it's, but even if you ask people like, oh, this, like no one's going to live up to these expectations. Like he was like, he was the chosen one. Like right. Sports Illustrated said he is the chosen one and he's like gone past that. He it obviously is. still takes like so much hate, but that's, yeah, and that's he's just like the, a household that's, name now. That's the, that's the media industry these yeah. days. Everyone's going to get the hate. Yeah. But like everyone knows who LeBron is. And that oh, even yeah. like speaks to just like how successful he's been. Oh yeah. He's, I think he's a billionaire now. No surprise. Yeah. But um, who's your favorite athlete? I don't know. I think it's very hard to pick a favorite, but one of my favorites is um, Christine Sinclair. And that's why I said about like yeah. Team Canada Olympics. I don't know for some, well, for starters, she's just, an incredible athlete has like brought women's 
soccer in Canada so far forward. Yeah. So kudos to that. And she also reminds me of my aunt. Every time I see <laughs> her on TV, I'm like, oh, Christine, like, hi. And I feel like, you know, like, she reminds me of my aunt. So then I like, like to watch her even more. And then when she's successful, I'm excited. And I feel like I've grown up watching her play. Yeah. She's as been, well. as, like talking about longevity. Like we just said, like she's been around for, yeah. I feel like forever. Like yeah. my whole like lifetime. It feels like she's just been on team Canada scoring goals. Like I know household name. And like when they won, what, like two, three yeah. years ago now against Sweden, like at the Olympics, I watched that. I cried. Yeah. Like, all of the content that came out of that was amazing as well like i remember watching cbc tiktoks about like telling the story of them playing the u.s and beating them and then them playing like sweden and beating them and that was like just an unreal thing to watch and you know unfortunate this year with the world cup if that was in fact her last one yeah but i think that she's done so much for women's soccer yeah well now she actually like just announced that she's retiring and she's done but i feel like but she's still playing a few more matches for team canada they're going around canada i know they're playing a few in Vancouver. I think they might have one here as well. And they're just straight sellout. Like, yeah. it's literally just a farewell tour for her, to her, which I, it's just like a testament of like how much she means to Canada, to soccer, to women's sports, to everything. I feel like she's, I don't know. She's, she's, she's one of the best out there. And maybe your aunt is too. Yeah. <laughs> different sport. With different, aunt, different, but, different sport. You know, Jody rocks as well. Yeah. yeah she's, not, she's not, yeah. She's not going to team Canada. Now. No, no. Um, anyways, let's get into our next segment. Um, we're very excited and we can't wait for you guys to hear who we have on next. Today we've decided to switch it up a little bit in terms of our guest. Um, so we'll be talking to a former varsity athlete and mental health advocate whose story kind of reached audiences across North America. She played basketball for the University at Buffalo and the Canadian national team and now works for a community-based basketball organization here in Toronto. So please welcome Hannah Hall to the podcast and thank you so much for joining us. We're very excited to get into this today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Of course, I know that you and Max already play together so you know each other a little bit but I was kind of looking at your LinkedIn and your social and everything and you've had like such an incredible journey so I'm very excited and we haven't talked to a high-level athlete yet. Ooh, okay. Yeah, you're okay. the first one. I mean, I wish I could say that like, I played actual basketball oh, with Hannah. Yeah. I mean, we played... Hey, we, we hey. play, runs we, are quite yeah, serious. Yeah, we, we, runs we are play serious. for fun now, so it's, uh, it's good. Yeah, I was like throwing you <laughs> yeah, in just there. just threw me in there. I'm like, plays. you know what? I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. you got to run with that. Exactly. He's a, va- a varsity basketball player. Vars- pretty much. Pretty much that varsity schedule. <laughs> On the women's schedule. team. Yeah. Yeah. It still counts. It yeah, still counts. exactly. So you played basketball at the university at Buffalo. What was your favorite part of being a D1 athlete? Because I know we all like see images of that. We all have preconceptions about what it's like. Yeah, I mean, um, this has definitely changed for me a lot. I was, while I was there, I was super focused on the success, loved, you know, winning, cutting a mush down. That's always the best part, especially when you're just like a hard worker. Um, And at the end of the day, like as high level athletes, like that's what you strive for. But now that I look back, like, just the memories I made with my teammates, the like ridiculous locker room moments, like travel moments, times like that. Um, I would say like my connections with my teammates and just those memories and relationships I have after sport are the best things that I could ask for. And that comes with, you know, the, the grind, right? Like that comes with the hard work and being on the court with them every day. Then you have those times off the court that you appreciate so much more. So I would definitely say that was my favorite part about being, being over there and being in that like really, really high level environment 
with them. It's all the camaraderie, right? Yeah. Like you're sweating together and yeah, grinding exactly. together. It's, it's full circle when you, when you do both and you're like able to really like be in the trenches with them, then yeah. the outside of it is, is a blast. So going, going into your time at Buffalo, did you know any of your teammates or was every, was it all new to you there? No, everybody was new. There was a couple other international girls, which was amazing. It's, it's awesome to be able to like connect with them, but, um, yeah, no, everyone was new and there was only two freshmen. So it was just me and another girl. Well, yeah. So we were definitely like a little scared going yeah. in. We didn't have the strength in numbers, but I had a great team. So I was super lucky. Can I ask, like, did you have any rookie initiation going on that you can tell us about? Um, <laughs> no, I don't actually remember. That's I don't probably, think so. It's probably a good thing. Our team was good. Our team, okay, it was, it's very, like, strict. Like, yeah, like, very, yeah. very I'm sure strict they over there. Oh, yeah, then, but, then um, will track down. Our team was more just, like, for the fun. And, yeah. That's was, good. Yeah, it was all about the vibes with our team and more just, like, getting everyone in the same boat and having a good time, so. Right, and then playing for Team Canada... What was that like? Like, what's the experience like on the court? How did you feel? Um, I mean, for me, it was it was a huge prideful moment. Like, mm -hmm. I've, as a 5'3 kid, like, growing yeah. up, kind of being told that, like, I was always a soccer player. So always being told, like, just stick to soccer, stick yeah. to soccer. Like, basketball's not it. Um, it just made me want basketball so much more. And um, being a kid from Hamilton, having people to look up to, um, like Kia Nurse and just some other like amazing women in the city who played for our national team, I always just wanted nothing more than to play for our, our uh, Team Canada. So being out there, um, I would say like to this day, there isn't really any other moment in basketball where I've felt more pride. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a different sense of accomplishment when you're able to like really represent something that's like so much bigger than yourself like as soon as you put a, a um a country on your chest it's an entire different environment so that's definitely something i hold really close to my heart basketball wise like do you think that was probably like one of your biggest accomplishments to play for team canada yeah i would say i would say for sure um i think getting to the states in general and and reaching some of the goals i had going over there was yeah. really big but i again like there isn't anything that's bigger than playing for the national team yeah. and then like winning at that level too and just kind of like changing the narrative and being able to play it was a part of my my comeback story was like when I had torn my yeah. ACL like I didn't play for the national team and then was able to come back and play the next season yeah. so I think that played a role in it too but definitely one of my biggest compliments and you ended up working your way into a starting role after tearing yeah. your ACL? Yeah, super surprisingly, kind of just got thrown into it and during exhibition tournament and I was like the younger age out yeah. of the two, so was not expecting it. And I think that's also the first time I realized like I needed to start seeing myself in bigger shoes because yeah. I was like, okay, I made the team, this is awesome. And how do I actually have a role? <laughs> yeah. And then from having that mentality to like, okay, Hannah, you're starting and you're actually like, like the head of the body, yeah. like you got to figure it out and run this team. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a really big, big role shift for me. Yeah. That's amazing. That's kind what of. What on earth were the nerves like before <laughs> yeah. that? Like I feel nauseous before I go and oh play my like. Gosh. Um, I mean, it's, it's funny. Cause a lot of people ask this, like, especially when I was playing in the States, um, and like, oh my gosh, you're, you're in March madness, like yeah. sweet 16, yeah. whatever. I was like, I'm not nervous. Like, it's so weird that you, you kind of just like, I would have like, anxiousness to like get out there and get on yeah. the court but nerves weren't there but then if you like talk to me about something else that I'm not usually doing like I'm like shaking in my boots <laughs> for no reason but yeah. yeah no I don't know that kind of stage excited me it was like 
I guess it's because it's what you work for yeah. and prepare for. So. And you know you're ready almost in yeah. a sense. Yeah. I, didn't, yeah. I get nervous like watching March Madness, like, <laughs> yeah. let alone like... I feel like I get more nervous yeah, watching it too. But then I'm in it and I'm like, wait, why don't I feel this way? Yeah. It's because yeah. Max has so much money on it. Yeah. <laughs> <No. laughs> <Probably. laughs> um, so next we just want people to kind of get to know you, but like just at a more surface level. So Max and I are actually going to go back and forth, I think, with the rapid fire questions. Awesome. Um, so the first one's pretty simple. Red Bull or coffee? Coffee. Coffee, always? Always. Iced or hot? Iced only. I'm crazy. Oh, okay. You, you, you like same. your like special kind of iced coffee, I don't like, you? You make it a certain yeah, way. I'm kind of bougie. I'm kind yeah, of bougie. I've, I love making it. Like I genuinely enjoy making it. I don't buy it often. Yeah. I buy beans and like make it at home. That's but, okay. yeah. impressive. Saving money. Yeah. Impressive. <laughs> yeah. I would say it's not... I like to think it's saving money, but I actually did the math the other day and I was like, I'm not saving any You're, money. It doesn't matter. Yeah, You're exactly. doing it for yourself. Yeah. Okay, what was your go-to pump-up song before a game? Oh, Trophies I'm, by Drake. Okay. Always. I don't know why and where, but like crazy me was just like headbanging to that song. It just every always got you always, going. Always, always. My teammates like, what are you listening to? Yeah. Like, always trophies. Yeah, trophies. trophies. I feel like... I feel like I went through a trophies phase. Yeah. Like I, it hits pretty hard. It hits I don't know hard. what to tell you. And it's just like a different Drake vibe. Even if you're just out for like a little run. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so you're casual. Just you're like, you're sprinting. Yeah. 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 So now what's your favorite way to kind of move your body other than basketball? Like lifting, Pilates, yoga? Um, I would say I don't have a single one. I think my mm -hmm. favorite part right now about movement is being able to explore a yeah. bunch of different ones and just like really being more intentional about like how I move my body and learning. So like a lot more Pilates, a lot more like functional movement and stuff right. like that. But I've started boxing a little bit to try oh. that wow. out. Um, I've heard boxing is actually great. I do want to try it. Yeah. It's really, really hard. And I yeah. feel like <laughs> the most amateur I've ever felt in my life. I'm like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's hard. It's challenging me, but that's why I like it. It's different, so. I kind of asked you this before, but let's go maybe more. You said Sweet 16. Like, what was your most memorable basketball moment, maybe from your time at Buffalo? I would say Sweet 16. I have to, for sure. Um, I would say winning, but I'd, I'd more say the journey to get there. Winning yeah. the round of 34. So we played um, Florida State. I won't forget this. I didn't even touch the court, but it was yeah. my favorite, <laughs> your favorite experience. Um, we played Florida State at Florida State, and I just remember them being like, very much like putting us at the kiddies table. Yeah. Like we're Buffalo, right? Yeah. Which is like the mid-major team that maybe just made it. Yeah. Um, and we beat them by 30 with their fans packed the house wow. at their, that home. So it was, yeah, that was an awesome experience. Um, and then we had to play South Carolina in the Sweet 16. So it was a little tough, but yeah. yeah. Okay. Good experience still. Amazing. Really yeah, getting to is. shove it in their face yeah. when it's a home Yeah, game. exactly. We're like, bye. I love but, that. Yeah. So coming out of the University of Buffalo, at Buff University at Buffalo yeah. to uh, find your current position at Layup. Um, how did you like feel and like how did you find that current position? Maybe you want to talk a little bit about what you do now and how you went from yeah. university. Um, I would say I had absolutely no idea how I was going to get there at the time. Um, went from being in the States um, during a pandemic. So like hadn't seen my family in a year, hadn't really figured it out. I luckily landed a job actually at Canada Basketball as an intern yeah. for a year on the business team. So that was awesome because I could kind of just start to like touch the waters of different other spaces in the basketball industry. Um, so I was there for a bit and then I was living at home and ready to leave. So <laughs> got up and moved to Toronto basically. And yeah, yeah met some people through through layup and I just started as being a camp counselor and like working in working like admin kind of style yeah. and then 
ended up landing my job as program manager and then eventually transitioned into manager partnerships. So wow. um, right place at the right time, I guess. Yeah. Just like honestly meeting great people through basketball was, was how I made it happen. How does it feel to still be involved in basketball, but just in like a different capacity? Um, it's awesome. I mean, I've, I've had to be very intentional about like resting because I've yeah. realized that like when you get to do what you love every day and like, I mean that from the bottom of my heart to like actually be able to work in something that's like your passion and feel your passion. It's, it's like, it's easy. Like it's easy yeah. to go to work, like too easy almost sometimes. So <laughs> I have to really be intentional about like resting and stuff. Taking but time. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's been incredible to be able to I think the industry that I work in and the job that I do, I, I never saw it from that lens before. On the community level, it was always so high performance. Yeah. Um, and so when I get to do this and I get to learn personally and learn more about myself and my experiences and how that can like play a role in my work environment, um, that's it's incredible to be a part of, for sure. Has it been hard like be coming from the high performance and then being in community where it is more just like, so the kids can learn and develop skill and you're like, but I want to like <laughs> win. Yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> like, definitely it's hard. hard. It's definitely hard. And I think, I think for the first year it was a lot harder. Now I'm yeah. starting to like really see the positive side of it and recognize that like a lot of the stuff that we incorporate at a community level is actually what needs to be incorporated at all levels of yeah. sport because yeah. it's just, it doesn't have to be such a high performing environment all the time. I think there's like different approaches to it. So yeah, just learning about that. And again, like I said, learning about myself as a high performer and being yeah. able to like take that out of it a little bit has been a great learning process for me. I, f I feel like like as a high performer though, you can teach like, especially kids like work ethic and like all that sort of stuff that maybe would be different than just like being in the community or like, oh, it's just for fun. But you also have that other side that is very important for people to learn from a young age. 100%, yeah, it's like, how do we, marry the best practices of high performance and like social work essentially yeah. it's like community and keeping kids in sport because right now like i mean i try not to go on a tangent but like the biggest issue is kids dropping out of sport and yeah. it's because of these like straight high performance right. mentalities and coaches and people who are like planting these seeds of like you have to go to this level or wherever at such a young age that kids end up not even wanting to be there anymore. And yeah. like, that's not what sport's about. It's so, taking the fun out of it yes, almost. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I think like, if we can keep kids in sport for longer and kids play until they stop loving it, that's fine. But for to have like young kids dropping out of sport is not great. So that's kind of like what I've shifted my focus to a lot more now. But, right, and yeah. I feel that, you know, sport has always been something that's been good for my mental health and and can help kids learn to like, grow and develop their own kind of like good mental health practices for sure. Um, so then thinking about that, I wanted to move next into kind of, we always talk a little bit about one of our guests, like biggest challenges. Mm -hmm. So um, while you were still playing, I know that you faced a serious kind of mental health battle and I was hoping you could just take us through that a little bit, whatever you're comfortable sharing. Yeah. Um, just so we can hear a little bit about that story and how it's shaped you. Yeah, for sure. Well, first I'm definitely an open book, so yeah. I'll try and like <laughs> really keep it narrow, but I, I have like posted my story. So um, like people are able to go and watch the full thing, but yeah, as a, um, just a hard worker my whole life. I was always in a place of trying to prove. Yeah. And so when I went to the States and was in that like high performing environment and I had all the resources I needed to be on the court every day, to be in the gym every day, to be um, just like working on myself as an athlete every day, I just took it and ran. And essentially like that 
became my biggest, like my high performance tendencies, my resilience, my discipline like that without a lack of like real like understanding of it became mm -hmm. my downfall because I was working too hard too often, um, wasn't fueling enough. Um, and I was actually diagnosed, I was diagnosed with anorexia in my, going into my second year of college. So finishing off my first year, um, just in a high performance mindset um, without a real understanding of eating disorder in sport. It's not something that's really talked about, but it's very, very common. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I was really sh shook for a while. I had no idea what I was going through. So a lot of my struggles was actually about figuring it out and learning what I was going through. Um, and in that, I became really passionate about trying to solve the problem of others who could go through that or could face a lot of the same struggles. And the way yeah. I did that was just like storytelling. I wanted to be able to connect with people, so yeah. I know you said in your feature, so University at Buffalo did a feature on it. I know you said that the reason you kind of went to see a specialist in the first place was because of your coach. Yeah. Um, so maybe how was that like, you know, being sent by your coach and then actually recognizing like, oh, something's going on here, not just you, you talk about the grind and no pain, no gain, right? Yeah, These yeah. ideas that like are instilled in varsity athletes and a lot of other high performance athletes. So to something that was normal to you, then realizing that it was a big issue. Yeah. What was that kind of like? Yeah, it was, like I said, it was, um, it was a lot of unlearning of mm -hmm. some of these like tendencies I had in my mind. And like you said, like these are things that are celebrated in sport. Like these are the yeah. tendencies that athletes need to be better, right? But we don't talk about what too much is. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, it was first unlearning a lot of those things and realizing that a lot of it was actually negatively affecting me. Um, and then I would say I really like started going to therapy and getting help like three times by the time I actually was like ready to be there mm -hmm. and like take in the fact that like I needed to be open to getting help. Um, but yeah, as much as like, therapy helped me and everything. It wasn't until like I realized within that like I had to change. You had to take and a had step. to be open yeah, mm -hmm. to it that I could like actually get the help I needed, right? So what would you say was like your initial thought process like right away, like when you were diagnosed and like when you heard about this, was it straight about yourself? Or did you look straight, oh my God, what am I gonna do with basketball? Yeah. Um first I was like, you're crazy. Like full denial, <laughs> like I'm fine. I'm a just a high level athlete, yeah. just working hard. It's just like, the grind. It's yeah, normal. it's the grind. Like I'm, these are the things that athletes are supposed to be doing. Like yeah. I'm supposed to be in the gym. I'm supposed to be putting in extra work yeah. to be on the court. Um, and so for me, it was like really figuring out, first of all, that that narrative was completely wrong. Yeah. Um, but then also like having to step back and like learn about what this was that I was going through. That was my like first reaction for it for sure but it took a while like honestly to get past that phase like that denial phase is real yeah it is real and i think we can probably everyone who's struggled with mental health can relate to yeah. that of like as humans we kind of like look for the excuses and all of things and like yeah. try and find like our brains take these shortcuts and denial in that that um like period of time is something that we like have to get through so that was definitely my first real reaction yeah i feel like especially with sport it's like you look at any athletes in any sport and all you see is all these stories now about everyone's pushing through the hard times, the struggles. Yeah. It's like, you can do it. You can push through. You just got to keep working. And then I feel like the mental health aspect sometimes takes the back seat and then it doesn't really 
come out until after the playing career. Yep. So I feel like having it during is definitely a great realization that I feel like a lot of people maybe are struggling with that they don't find out until after they finish playing sports. Yeah, for sure. And that's actually like one of my main motivators in telling my story. I think like one of the biggest healers for me was being able to like see that other people were going through this. I yeah. think I can't, I don't want to name the athlete, um, just one of the, like a professional NFL player who actually was going through the same thing I was going through and was like heavily diagnosed with it. Um, and it's just like, it's known as like orthorexia. So a lot of like just being obsessed with like clean eating, high performance, yeah. overtraining. And it's, it's more about thinking that all the foods that you put in your body are going to directly affect how you perform. Not necessarily classic like eating disorder, I guess, like behaviors that people see. So that's why it took me a while to untangle that yeah. and figure it out. Um, but once I saw that other people were going through it, that's when I started to heal. That's when I was like, this is what I'm going through. Now I know like I can get help and just that like relation. So that's one of the main reasons I wanted to like tell my story in the first place. I know yeah. they're like high level athletes, right? Like, so exactly. it's something similar. Yeah. Um, I feel like the thing with orthorexia as a diagnosis, it's so difficult because a lot of people think that what you're doing is a good thing. And I'm sure you in your 100%. mind too thought it was a good thing because you're like, oh, I'm just, I'm healthy. I'm very, very yep. healthy. I'm yep. working really hard and you know. For other people, yes, right? exactly. Yeah. And then being able to realize that it was actually something that was negatively impacting you. And then after the feature was done uh, by the university and it was picked up by a lot of like news networks and other kind of outlets, how did that kind of play a role then in your journey and recover eventual kind of recovery? And then how do you use social media now? Yeah, I mean, again, just to the storytelling piece, I think that's what really, to, there's two parts to it. I, I think when we talk about identity as athletes, um, I was very tied to sport my yeah. whole life. That's all I kind of like, that's where I found my outlet. I was just an ener energy bunny as a kid. So mm -hmm. like to be able to just run around and play sports and make th friends through sport was like, that was my identity. Right. Um, when I realized that storytelling was a passion for me and that I had like a skill in being able to put that together because I kind of like wrote and produced the entire thing without any okay. help until the last like video stage of it. Yeah. Um, and I felt so much like fulfillment in doing that. And so I guess like being able to, to do that and being able to realize like the power of storytelling in sport and just the reach that it had and the number of people, it took me like two months to get back to everybody's like DMs wow. because it was like so many people yeah, related to yeah. So many people related yeah. to it. And I was like, it, it was heartbreaking in a way because yeah. you're like, I sat there and did not think for the first like two months of my recovery that anyone else in the world was going through what I was going through. Yeah. Cause that's just like how we deal with how things. Right. But to see that and to have that many people be like, Oh my gosh, I had no idea that this is what I'm going through. And I had no idea because it's just something that's not as commonly spoken about mm -hmm. in general. Mental health isn't, but like, especially something like what I was going through isn't as commonly spoken about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely that power of storytelling and, putting light and shining light on struggle is so uncomfortable and it's so important. It's yeah. so important that we have to like keep doing it. So I think that was like my main kind of thing with it. I feel like also like with you being able to produce and share your own story on social media, it really allowed you what's to say to tell your story the way that you wanted it to be told in the way that you feel like you could connect to others, even though at first you didn't realize that I'm going to connect with others. Yeah. And a lot of people are going to be facing the same thing but I feel like it's a way more authentic way because it's you yeah. than opposed to having somebody be like, oh, you're going through this, like tell me this, but like 
phrase questions a certain way yeah. to get you to tell the story the certain way. But like now, like you said, everybody reached out after because I feel like it was very. It was raw. Yeah. It was raw. Exactly. And I look back on it now and I'm like, mm, maybe there's some things that I see differently. And like a lot of it is different. I have yeah. a whole, I mean, it was four years, five years ago. Like there's a whole new perspective, but I wouldn't change at that time telling it in that way because of that. Like there's something different about seeing like a story that's raw and uncomfortable yeah. that honestly, if you don't spark that discomfort, you're probably not helping that person. Right. Yeah. You're not really like d digging deep into it. So I think that was like really important to me. Yeah. For sure. Forcing people to get vulnerable, like with yeah. themselves and yeah. way then too. Yeah. Okay. Sure. And when you like have a day that you're like struggling or you're feeling a bit down, what's something that you can focus on or a tool that you can use to like help yourself get through it? Yeah, this is a good one. This is a, a learning curve and I think an ongoing change for me. Um, and a part of like transition and, you know, being in new places, this is something that you kind of have to continue learning. But for me, one thing that I've really held to is every single day, um, like when I wake up, it's a fresh page. And like the second my feet touch the floor, it's like today's a great day. There might be like a ton of things that happened that day that changed that and that's fine. By the end of the yeah. day, it could be an awful day. But no matter what, every single day I wake up, it's like I'm starting my day with today is going to be a great day. And then I have tools and a lot of stuff that I've built throughout just a lot of like mindfulness and recognizing um, like some thoughts and, and like automatic thoughts that come into mind and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like an ongoing like learning process I think all of us can benefit from. But my biggest thing and I guess like what I've shared with people has been like the, the biggest help for me is just always starting on a positive note. And that's like nobody can change what happens between the second I get out of my bed to the second my feet hit the floor. So that's when I'm like choosing to kind of have that start to the day. That's that's amazing. Honestly, I think I got to take that yeah. to heart a little bit. That's, yeah, that's some great you. advice. Yeah, I think you can do that, like no matter where you are and how your everyone. mental health is, like exactly. everyone can do that. And yep. like, you know, recovery is such a journey and it's amazing to see you share your story and I'm sure it's connecting with a lot of people yeah coming out maybe for people who are coming out of high level sport or varsity sport moving into just like careers in life what was like how do they manage the identity crisis there because I think we can all acknowledge that there definitely is one when sports such a big part of your life yeah I think that's the first and most important thing is like hitting the nail on the head like it it is an identity crisis right. and people love to run from that they love yeah. to be like oh it's fine like i'll figure it out i have all these no like it's okay to be in a place where you're like i don't know what i'm doing yeah and before we get to that place or before we move forward we can't move forward without accepting that yeah. so i think that's like one of the biggest things and then just really it, it's a lot about like digging deep like you have to, to find it within i think we a lot of us love to take the shortcut of like looking for the perfect like answer from someone else and it mm -hmm. doesn't come no matter where you go it doesn't yep. come if you don't find it from within so i think it's really about like what are your passions what are your values what are the things that make you tick every day and those are the things you just need to keep tapping into um as you move out of sport and then i think just w one of the best pieces of advice i don't know if this is another question i might be jumping the gun but one of the best <laughs> pieces of advice i learned recently and is something that i wish i knew when i was like transitioning and kind of in this identity yeah. crisis is just to open like every single door and when we open all of the doors and just like walk in our passion and really like tap into like those values and those things that like just make you happy when yeah. you when you open those doors the ones that are supposed to close are going to close and the ones that are supposed to be open keep like walking through and that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of people, but I think just having that mindset of like, stop trying to limit yourself and put yourself in these boxes, just open every door. And yeah. then eventually you'll realize like, 
there's a lot of shifts in places that you can go. So I think it's, it's just a lot about um, really un, untangling that like one piece of identity in sport and, and tapping into like what's within you and what are the things that make you happy outside of it. And you can always, I think, like rely on your experience in 100%, sport. 100%, yeah. But then I think people forget that there's more to them mm-hmm. than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a good way to like, yeah, open every door and don't just do what people expect of you almost. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, it's definitely like, it. it's again, it's self-work and it's uncomfortable because we like to find the answers from exactly. other people. But yeah, it's gotta find it within. I think sure. there's also like, when we're talking about this, like sports and identity, I think there's a lot more aspects of sports that like people don't realize that you could use going For forward. Then sure. it's like, oh, I'm on the court, I'm playing defense, I'm shooting like, there's a lot more things to sport than like actually playing the game itself. I'd argue there's actually probably way more things 100%. to it yeah. than the actual game. Yeah. There's I, much more you can bring out of it, I think. Uh, for sure. I've talked to like a couple people um, just like in different business roles and just different areas of their career. And one of the biggest things they've said is that like, I hate to be biased, but like they'd hire an athlete over somebody who has XYZ on their resume any day yeah. because they know that like, you athletes have however many years you've played they have i mean for example 17 years of experience in in being in a team environment right they have communication skills for 17 plus years 18 plus years maybe it's five but it's still five right and so recognizing that like those skills are actually like tangible skills you can use instead of like we we are we're like oh my that's my athlete skill that's my skill on the court but like no like you literally, because I see it, I see it every day. I see people who are like stressed out for something that I'm like, what are you talking about? Like I've been in this fourth quarter now. Yeah. Like, it's easy. Why you are you stressed? This. Chill. Yeah. So it's it's definitely it that takes a while to to really like recognize, but sure. just tap. You also into just it. have that competitive fire. Yeah. You know? yeah. No, yeah. No, a little bit no, too much. No, 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 no one can take that away. Yeah, no one can take right, that away right. from you. But yeah. like, come on, let's go. Pick it's it up. No, no. It's you use that everywhere. You're walking down the street. Like, come I'm on. Like sprinting. Yeah. No, no, no. no slow walkers. No, it's just no. fine. You kind of like really just touched on it with some great advice. But what would you, if you had one other piece or like one more, it doesn't have to be necessarily a piece of advice or just something that you would say to other people if they're going through any mental health struggles or anything like that, trying to find their way, like what is something that you could tell them to just like get them to that next step or that you think would help? Yeah, I think um, my biggest one is just starting every day with like a new day and every time your feet hit the floor, it could end up being the worst day and that's fine. But if you make the choice every single morning to to wake up and see like light in it, that's, that's a first step. And I think healing and recovery and finding yourself from struggle is, all it is is a bunch of small, simple steps. And those small things is what like moves you forward. And we try to find like really big answers to these questions, but it's really just about small little steps. And if you can take those small little steps, celebrate them. Like that's the biggest thing too. Like we, we don't celebrate. So I think just yeah. really celebrating the small wins. Um, and then that stuff starts to compound and build up. And now you start to really like be able to to heal. Um, and then the other thing is just find your people and connect with them and tap in when you need. I think community and storytelling is everything. And there's a lot of healing that comes from just being able to relate to someone else. So, well, that brings us kind of to the end, but it's been so lovely chatting with you. And I, you know, I'm sure your words have definitely helped 
someone out there and there's something that we can all take away from this as well sitting here uh, I'm, I'm i'm already thinking differently just yeah sitting, sitting here after the conversation the i know i'm like you. in my in my mind i'm like going through all this stuff I'm yes like, wow. yeah I, this is just advice that other people have given me so i'm i'm passing it along <laughs> you're the messenger yes, it's I'm the messenger. Advice. but then if people want to find you and learn more about your story where can they do that um, I'm big on Instagram, Hannah Hall. Um, and yeah, just, I, I love connecting with people. Yeah. So please everyone reach out. Um, I love making a connection. I try to keep it real on there, not keep it a highlight reel. Yeah. So yeah. You just... can also find the highlight reels. Yes. Also, <laughs> Let's get it. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. Thank awesome. you so Thank much. You. Yes. Great. Thank you so much.